another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll i am christian rivas joined by jacob rude depending on where you are in the world uh it is february 1st the first day of february as it is famously <laughs> called uh and uh we're here with another episode uh jacob how you doing pal any weekend that you beat the celtics is uh or excuse me should rephrase that any weekend that you quote Get that Celtic ass is a great weekend. <laughs> Shout out to James Worthy. Um, Absolutely. Fun story about James Worthy. It's my favorite James Worthy story to tell. And I think I tell it every time he's brought up. But uh, one time I was lucky enough to get invited to the Spectrum Sportsnet studios. And James Worthy had like the cutest Lakers blanket I had ever seen in my life. It's like. <laughs> One of those two-sided flannel, flannel ones that are tied at the ends by just, like, knots. Uh, and Allie Clifton walks into the studio, and he goes, James, I love your I love your blanket. Where did you get it? And he goes, uh, in his in his deep James Worthy voice, he goes, thanks. My wife made it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I guess he gets cold in the studio often, and, and that's what he wears. That guy, James Worthy loves the Lakers. Like, there oh, are people yes. that are former Lakers and have like some feeling towards the team. Uh, James Worthy absolutely adores the team. He was the only person in the studio outside of the, out of the fans that were watching that were like genuinely exasperated when the Lakers made it, made a bad play. So uh, shout out to big game James. And yes, the Lakers did get to quote James Worthy, that Celtic ass. Uh, it was a close one though. Wasn't sure they were going to come out of that one. Uh, but thanks to the quick hands, of Alex Caruso and a bounce back game from Anthony Davis. They were able to do it. Um, it, It's weird. I think the conversation around Anthony Davis right now in general, because I understand he hasn't had a dream start to the season, especially when you compare it to the starts of the season that like Contavious Caldwell Pope's gotten off to and Alex Caruso looks extra spry, but I mean, you look you look at the numbers Anthony Davis is posting in the amount of minutes he's averaging. He's still a really, really good player. Uh, and don't get me wrong, he's he's had his lulls to start the year. Like there there have definitely been games where I think a lot of people have just thrown their hands up and been like, All right, AD, what are we doing? I understand you're coming off coming off of the largest or longest rather season in NBA history and you know, you're probably tired, especially towards the tail end of a, God, almost two-week-long road trip. But, uh, you know, I think nights like Saturday night where he just goes off for 27, uh, 14, two steals, uh, is when you look at Anthony Davis and you're like, all right, well, this is a guy I remember <laughs> when the postseason rolls around. The Lakers will probably be okay. He's uh he's kind of a victim of his own success because he was so damn good in the postseason and that's what we all kind of remember. Like there was such a long break. He was I might be selling him a little short, 
little short. I was going to say he was roughly at this level during the regular season. He was probably better last year's regular season. Mm -hmm. And then we have this long break. And then basically the entire time in the bubble, certainly the playoff games, he was incredible. So, like, at an unsustainable level. Like, I kept expecting it to fall off at some point. And it just never did. Yeah. (laughs) And so, in that regard, that's kind of what we're subconsciously comparing that to. I mean, if you, if anybody realistically expected that, you were never going to get that. Like, some of the, I mean, the big thing that's easy to point to is his mid-range shooting. Like, he hit shots at an unfathomable level for how long he did it and stuff like that was never going to be sustainable. Um, that being said, he's still, and I don't blame him. I don't know if coasted's the right word, but I mean, he's certainly trying to think of the most delicate way to say this. He certainly has not played with the intensity he did in the playoffs, right? which you w- you wouldn't expect. Um, but as you said on Saturday, in a game that is a rivalry game and I think at times felt like a playoff game. Um, I mean, you saw that he looked like something at least resembling last year's Anthony Davis. So I'm not remotely worried about him. He certainly earned some benefit of the doubt after the playoffs. I really, I think this whole team has, as I have said multiple times, I mean, 27 and 14 on um, on Saturday, just destroyed with whoever Boston put in front of him. Um, he'll be fine, but it was it is nice. It's a couple times down the last few games that he's kind of reminded everyone that yeah, I'm still really damn good, guys. The other thing that caught my eye in Saturday's game is the amount of players that played um, for the first time this season. Wesley Matthews was a DNPCD and not for injury-related reasons. Uh, Alternatively, Taylor Horton Tucker played almost 23 minutes. Um, End of the game, like a negative three in the box score. But there was a stretch during the fourth quarter where it looked like he energized the Lakers to, you know, start making that run to get them back into the game because if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers were down, I want to say nine points at the end of the third quarter. Um, He was, I I think, you know, box score be damned. I thought he was all right. Uh, He had a good first quarter for sure. And then Jacob, you've brought this up a few times on the show, but again, I look at how Montrez Harold played this season and especially in the fourth quarter of Saturday's game, there were times where the Celtics sought him out on defense and Harold kind of held his own. Like I understand Montrezl Harrell isn't going to be your defensive anchor uh, on most nights, nor would you want him to be, but you know, to, to say that Harrell is going to be the reason the Lakers lose games in the playoffs without any context, I think it is a mistake. He, uh, I continue to be impressed by him. I get I I follow a fair amount of Clippers fans. I knew that they were frustrated with him, but you're kind of watching from afar when uh, with most teams in the NBA. That's really how I kind of shape a lot of my thoughts and expectations around players is just how 
I mean, honestly, a lot of time on Twitter and social media, how fans and people who cover that team talk about that player. And after the postseason, it wasn't great to mm-hmm. be nice to be to be nice about it. They Harold was kind of the scapegoat, so I was I was a little apprehensive when we first made the signing. Once I started looking at tape, I was just kind of like, I mean, this guy seems really good. And as he's played more and more, I absolutely love Harold. I love his game. I love the intensity he plays with. And it just continues to seem like the biggest thing he did wrong for the Clippers, and at least in the postseason, was not sub himself out because Doc wanted him in the game to defend Jokic. And, like, right. nobody's going to defend Jokic. Like, even the Lakers struggled with it, and they have – Especially not this season. Jokic is yeah. on an absolute tear. He's, in, he's incredible. Uh, but I mean, the Lakers have one of the best. I mean, I would say the best defensive big man in the league. Mm-hmm. And he still had his way with them at times. Um, so it just all seemed a bit unfair to him. I think the more I watch them, that he's going to be a part of. I mean, it'll obviously vary game to game, but I think he's going to be in the closing lineup more often than not. Um, he's agile enough that against most bigs, he's going to he'll be able to stay in front of them, and it kind of frees up AD to. I mean, I think back to last year when AD guarded Kawhi at stretches. If you have Trez out there to be able to defend a Sergi Baca or a Zubats, then that frees up an AD to take a Kawhi or something like that. So I've kind of been thinking of things like that. And I think it works well for the Lakers. He played, he's played well with LeBron. Um, He just compliments that front court really well. So especially when LeBron's shooting like this, like it still amazes me. I mean, he only shot four of 11 from three, but last week, it amazes me how well this guy's shooting from three. Like, it seemed like, I mean, we only had like, he had like a six week off season. And apparently, <laughs> in those six weeks, stole like Steph Curry's powers and became this crazy outside shooter. Um, it was, it's, uh, he's amazing. He continues to be amazing. He's literally never going to slow down. Um, but I thought that was a big win with Trez out there, LeBron out there, AD. It got really hairy at the end. I hope <laughs> multiple guys took uh, Caruso out for dinner after the game, or I don't. I, I they're not allowed to leave. I guess I hope multiple guys ordered room service for Caruso <laughs> after say. the game because that man saved the Lakers' ass at the end of the game. Yeah, I hope whatever hotel the Lakers were staying at in Boston had some good chicken tenders or like, you know, some touristy lobster roll and, and clam chowder they could have gotten delivered to his room. I hope he had all of it because well, I I struggle with this because I think Lakers fans talk about Alex Caruso so much that it's no longer like meta. It, it It's like I, I almost feel like we talk about Alex Caruso too much. At this point, but it's so hard not to talk about him when he does so many things well. Like, I think the thing that's made Crusoe stand out 
I more this season, at least in my opinion, is that he's kind of been like the antithesis of everything we thought the Lakers were going to be to start the season. And on some nights that they have been, which is like sluggish, not giving it their all, uh, especially on the defensive end where a lot of people thought they'd take a step back. Nobody told Alex Russo to take a step back. He has been playing at a hundred miles per hour for the entirety of the season is still shooting. I, I couldn't believe it. He, he shot all of one from three on Saturday. I couldn't believe that he missed one because mm-hmm. he has been lights out yeah. most of the season. And you mentioned like LeBron James shooting really well from three-point range. Kyle Kuzma has also been shooting pretty well from three-point range. Is up to 38.3% on the season. I expected some like regression because he was shooting, I think, something like 48% at the beginning of the season. But you can live with Kyle Kuzma being a 38.3% uh three-point shooter on 4.5 attempts per game. Like, that is a player you want. And with the way he's rebounding and defending, I think on most nights, depending on the matchup, the closing lineup is probably going to be Caruso, KCP, LeBron, AD, and whoever is playing better between Trez and Kuzma. Really, Kuzma has been – I mean, all he really needed to do – I thought he improved a lot defensively last year. We talked about that. He just needed to be basically an average three-point shooter. Um, And if he did that, he was going to be very valuable to this team. And, I mean, 38% is above average. I want to say league average is right around 36%. So uh, he's been – He's been really good this year. Like, maybe it's just kind of – I mean, it's hard to say really a whole lot because this is still a relatively small sample size. But, I mean, 21 games is still um, – I was going to say a, a quarter of the year, but that was 82 games. So, over a quarter of the year. And so, I mean, this is a noticeable amount of games, and he is – he looks comfortable. Like, he looks – he doesn't have to worry about like contract or role or anything like that. He knows where he's at, where he fits within this Lakers team. He knows what he needs to do each night and he just seems comfortable. Like he is getting to his spots and knocking down shots. He's not he's not changing his shot six times a season. Yeah. <laughs> um and He's doing it all in less minutes than he played last year, which was the biggest one of the big things is that when he played more uh, minutes, he played better and that he was struggling in the limited minutes and limited touches. So to do it all on, he's doing it in less minutes, fewer shots, uh, the exact same amount of three point attempts a game. And he's not getting the, to the line nearly as much as he normally does. Um, yet he's still averaging 10 points. You mentioned the three-point shooting. He's averaging the highest rebounds he's had since his rookie year. Um, So he's been really impressive. This team has just been really, with few exceptions, just really impressive to start this season. I thought there would be, kind of as you talked, they'd be a lot more sluggish, and they kind of were on this road trip. It's hard to really... Road trips are always tough. 
And road trips in this current NBA season are brutal Mm -hmm. because you literally cannot go anywhere but the arena and the hotel room. Um, The Pelicans had an absolutely brutal one. They went, there was a two week long road trip and they were losing a bunch. And JJ Reddick said, this is literally the worst like road trip he's ever been a part of just because (laughs) like not, not really anything on the court. It's just like you literally just have to come back to your hotel room every, every day and you can kind of hang out with some of the other guys, but really that's it. Like if you, there's no like, oh, I had a bad game. Let's go to the movies and clear my head. Or, oh, I had a bad game. Let's go to a restaurant afterwards. Yeah. It's, oh, I had a bad game. Let's go to my hotel room by myself. <laughs> so like it, this, these, this is a rough season. Um, so to see some of these guys flourishing in this, I think is more impressive than normal. Um, but yeah, Kuzma playing as well as he is, is encouraging, um, especially considering he's going to be a part of the core the Lakers have moving forward. Well, the first half, let's call it, of the season has gone to plan so far. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the first half, though. The second half starts on March 11th which is coming right around the corner. But before all that happens, February is a pretty big month when it comes to the NBA and the Lakers in general. And uh, when we come back from our break, that is what we are going to talk about. February 6th is a date that might not mean a lot to a bunch of people right now. Uh, and it ultimately not might not mean a lot to the Lakers if they like the roster. However, if they see a move that they think will improve their roster, uh, there are, are a handful of players on their team that will be made available on February 6th, which I think is a good place to start this preview of the month ahead for the Lakers. So on February 6th, a lot of players around the league uh, are going to have their trade restrictions lifted um, and those include players that signed with their respective teams in free agency. Uh, that includes, for the Lakers, Montrez Harrell. Uh, on February 5th, his his restriction will be lifted, and then February 6th, he'll uh, be able to be traded. Um, Wesley Matthews is another guy who, once that restriction is lifted, he won't have any restrictions, uh, and that also applies to Marcus Hall. Markeith Morris, Jared Dudley, and Quinn Cook have that same re- restriction. However, because they signed another one-year contract, uh, the Lakers will have their bird rights this summer. And so if the Lakers decided to trade them, which, again, I'm not anticipating is going to happen, uh, they'd have to consent to the trade. So uh, right now... With with the way the Lakers are playing, I'm not super confident they're going to be active at the trade deadline. I think the buyout market is is more likely where they'll you know shift their focus to, and even then, that's not going to happen until March because of how weird the NBA calendar is this year. Um, are you are you of a similar mindset when it comes to the Lakers in the trade market this year? 
Yeah, I don't expect really any kind of trades. Um, the Lakers just don't really... I mean, we just spent the first half of this pod talking about how, relatively speaking, good they've looked. Um, so I don't really anticipate any kind of trades. Um, sp- much to your dismay, because then that means you can't play around in, uh, on the trade machine much. Um, but it's still interesting. Uh, I, I'm tr- the only people I could realistically see being traded are some of the end-of-the-bench guys. But, like, Quinn Cook, you can just cut him. Like, And I don't suspect anybody has interest in him. Uh, like, Markeith Morris you mentioned I don't really know why anybody would have a lot of interest in him and even if they did it seems like he's a pretty like he's a good locker room guy with this team so they'd have to be pretty blown away by the offer it's just one of those situations where I think the asking price the Lakers are going to have for a lot of these guys is going to be higher than what teams are going to want to pay for him right um because also anybody that's going to come after these guys are probably also going to be competing or contending, and you don't want to just give a contender a helpful piece. Um, so while it is an interesting date and will certainly make trades easier for you on the trade machine, I don't suspect it will have a whole lot of consequence for the Lakers. Yeah, and, like, I th- I don't know if I've said this on here I may have not because I'm not even super confident it would happen. Uh, But the only scenario that I think the Lakers would shake things up is I believe the date, do not quote me on this, is February 8th where the Lakers can start negotiating a new deal with Dennis Schroeder past the offer they made him earlier this year. They were limited to the amount of years and and the number they could offer him in their first contract offer, which I believe was in the ballpark of like eighteen million. Um, they'll be able to up that number in in their negotiations past February eighth. If after those early conversations, it becomes clear that as much as Dennis wants to be in LA, they just can't agree to a number, and for some reason he's you know, turned off by the fact that the Lakers don't value him as highly as he values himself. And I think from day one, literally his first interview with the team, he made it very clear how he values himself. But shout out to him. He's like, played well, yeah. That that's that's very cool, but I mean that's really the only scenario where I can see the Lakers making a move where it's just like, okay, well. We, we're obviously not going to see eye to eye on this. We might as well get something for you. Um, could that something be Lonzo Ball, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> Lonzo and JJ, does that work in the in the trade machine? No, unfortunately, no. And because I, I asked that, having absolutely <laughs> no idea if you tried it, but also knowing that you would know the answer. Yeah, no, um, I tried. I, I pulled it up. You, um, so the most the Lakers could offer him, or at least their offer to him was two years, $33 million. Uh February 16th is the date uh, they can offer him as much as a four-year, $83 million contract. Um, with a, That would be a starting salary of about $18.6 million. Um, 
So, yeah, if they don't reach a deal with him, the only thing they could offer him was the $9.5 million mid-level exception. He's not coming back for that. So I guess that wasn't really something I thought of. Maybe if talks break down, which it doesn't seem like they would, because it seemed like both sides want it to be yeah. a long-term partnership. But if something happens there, I guess that would be the way I see uh, someone or a trade being made. And in that case, I mean, simply a Schroeder for J.J. Redick trade would be interesting. Um, but what about Lonzo, Jacob? <laughs> I mean... If for no other reason to have, like... Lonzo's going to be restricted this summer. Yes. If you trade Schroeder for Lonzo, you at least, you know, have somebody you know if you really wanted to keep them around, if the number doesn't get too outrageous. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, but I I don't know if the market's going to be super robust for Lonzo this summer. Like, I do not see Lonzo getting north of like 15 million this summer. Um, so do you want me to continue this or do you want me to burst your bubble? No, yeah. Burst my bubble. <laughs> the Pelicans aren't trading Lonzo for a point guard. The whole point of trading Lonzo <laughs> is to open up minutes for the two guards that they have and Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis. They're not as much as you really want this to happen, and even they wouldn't trade JJ for Schroeder. Like he's not going to the Pelicans. I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I shouldn't have mentioned them. I shouldn't have continued that. But Lonzo, I do think eventually Lonzo will come back to one of the LA teams. Um, hopefully it's the Lakers. It would hurt to see him in a Clippers jersey. Uh, it ain't gonna be this year, at least not in a trade like that. The best you can hope for is like a three-team trade, but. I mean, then you're getting wild, and the Lakers are gonna would have to offer, I think, a lot more than Schroeder to get Lonzo and JJ back. Um, we'll throw in a second, and Alfonso yeah. McKinney. <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of interesting. This is a lot of like projection if things go wrong with Schroeder, because it would create easier, obviously, ways to play Caruso and THT, um, both of whom. I'm trying to debate if I want to go on a rant here. Both of whom have been the subject of much criticism of Vogel because they aren't getting the minutes they've gotten. My abbreviated rant is going to be Vogel literally did what he's doing now last year and just experimenting like crazy during the regular season. Mm -hmm. And then when it mattered, the right guys played every time, no matter what. Like literally the biggest game of Vogel's career Game six of the finals, he put Alex Caruso in the starting lineup. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I I get a little annoyed when there's all the complaints about Caruso isn't playing enough and whatnot because this whole regular season is spent trying to figure out what will work long term. Like, we spent a whole season last year complaining about the amount of mid-range shots that AD took and – whatnot and then he spent the whole postseason getting those the Lakers knew how to get him those shots and he made all of them. Yeah. So I mean like it's just a little frustrating that 
we're doing this exact same thing again. We know what it's going to look like in the postseason. We have a huge sample size, relatively speaking, of postseason games where Caruso played a ton of minutes. Like, he was vital to the team. Vogel knows that. Like, everybody knows that. So I don't really see the point in complaining about it right now. Like, sure, it's frustrating to lose some of these games, but Crusoe played 24 minutes a game in the playoffs. Like, it'll be fine. Things will work out. Let's figure out the other parts of it. He knows Caruso is going to be a valuable contributor in the postseason. He may know less about THT or about Wes Matthews or things like that. So, um rant over, but I just wanted to to get that out there because there's been a lot of complaining about Caruso's minutes on the timeline. The only other thing I could see happening is a trade for Wes, but I, I don't yes, know what that I would agree. look like. He's on a vet minimum, though, isn't he? You're basically going to have to trade him for another vet minimum guy. And uh, I believe he's actually on the biannual exception, so it's like three point something million. Um, I don't know who's making around that ballpark. Uh, I mean, ideally it would be, well, we'll, we'll get to this later on actually, because I do want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, assuming the Lakers are fine with their roster. Uh, the next notable date for them is February 16th when NBA all-star voting closes. Um, th- this year I think is probably more interesting in terms of the Lakers All-Stars than it was last season, and it's not because Alex Caruso is going to make an All-Star game (laughs) as much as I'd love for that to be the case. Um, The front court is just loaded with talent this year, and with the way Anthony Davis has started the season, I think there is a chance, possibly, that he is not alongside Nikola Jokic in that front court, alongside Nikola Jokic and LeBron James. Because I think if you look at the rest of the field, it is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who arguably have had better seasons than Anthony Davis so far. I I did something terrible for you as you were talking about that. Effectively, I think the Lakers have to include a bit of cash. Wes Matthews and Dennis Schroeder for Lonzo and J.J. Redick works. <laughs> um, I realize I yelled at you a minute ago. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting with the front court in the West because, yeah, I think ultimately Jokic and LeBron are locks, um, which leaves one spot for A.D., Kawhi, and Paul George is considered a forward this year. Um which is dumb because if if you put Curry, PG, LeBron, one of Kawhi and AD and Jokic, you have a perfect like th- those are the five guys of the West, regardless of position, that I think you would put in those five starter spots. But anybody yeah, wants to be dumb, <laughs> yeah, and put Paul George as a forward. I honestly don't know why they have the positional distinctions like in some things they do some award voting they do some they don't yeah like i just get rid of the positional (laughs) stuff like the five best guy they're not even like playing they're drafting these starters so it's like not even that they're going to be able to 
play together. It's dumb, but yeah. <laughs> like it should just be the five best players in the Western Conference should be starting, and it would be like Jokic, LeBron, Steph, um, PG, and then the debate would be a little bit easier because then it's just AD or Kawhi. Yeah, the saving grace that AD I think is going to have, and why I probably think he'll ultimately get in. Is Laker fans are insane, <laughs> like in a good way, but <laughs> Lakers fans are insane and are going to vote for him like crazy. So he's going to have more fan votes than, um, than Kawhi will. And then like, there's a weird split. I don't know if they say the amount of percentage, like coaches they do. So fans will account for fifty percent. Players and media will account for twenty five percent each. Um. The media vote is also 25, right? Yeah, players and media both are 25% uh, a piece. So I, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how players and media view him because he's obviously coming off that crazy postseason, but he hasn't been great. Um, it'll, it'll just be interesting because, yeah, ultimately it's going to come down to Kawhi, PG, and AD. Um, I, I, he'll probably still get in. I think this so too. More, this is more reason if you're listening to this to go vote for the all-star game, because not only are you putting a Laker in the all-star game, you're denying two Clippers. <laughs> and honestly, think of the slander we could have if neither Clipper is an all-star game starter, what both Lakers are. Yes. Oh That's my reason God. Enough to go vote right now. I'm going to submit my ballot. That might be what I framed the podcast post around. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. Um, but yeah, I, I ultimately agree. I think Steph and LeBron will be the top vote getters in the West, but AD will, will be right behind them, I think. Um, and then, so after all-star voting said and done, the all-star game itself, I don't believe is until March. Yeah, second week of March. They're gonna basically they're gonna have a week break between uh, the first half and second half of the season. Initially, I think it was gonna be a break for the All Star game. I think they might end up having to throw a couple games in there because it's so much of a mess right now. Yeah, especially um, for the Wizards. Yeah, the Wizards are gonna end up playing like back-to-back-to-backs and stuff like that. Like, they're so far behind. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a mess. But, yeah, I think that week break. And now that – I think originally it was just supposed to be, like, nominally, like, oh, you guys would have been all-star starters. And now it's like, actually, you guys are going to play a game in Atlanta. Potentially. That was – I can't remember who reported it last week, but – It was Mark Stein. Yeah, it it was a, had to do. I mean, it has to do with money, if we're being honest. But um, it, it, they were going to have it in Atlanta because that's where Turner Studios are, and they linked it to charitable organizations. I don't know. It has to do with money that they can make from it. Yeah, I I, I think it was COVID relief and uh, funding for the HBCU, which yeah, both both I'm all for. But let's not pretend like it's about anything else yeah. but but money. Um, the last date that I want to talk about 
I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm sure we will devote a whole podcast to it because it's worth it. Uh, is February 24th is the day the Lakers will be able to sign a veteran's minimum contract. They can do that, I believe, right now for a player with less than two years of experience because they're operating under the hard cap. Uh, any salary they offer a player right now, I mean, since the season started, that's the case anyway, uh, is going to be a prorated salary. But past February 24th, they can offer that prorated veterans minimum salary to a player with more than two years of experience, which is probably what they're going after anyway. Um, I don't know who's going to be available. I know who's available right now. And I, <laughs> I don't know if there's any one the Lakers are just clamoring to sign with that last roster spot of the guys that are available right now. But there could be guys available. And to keep it really general, so we don't spend the next 15, 20 minutes on this, if you had to identify the biggest need for, for the Lakers roster with that last roster spot, where would you lean? It's interesting. I'm trying to think. My first thought was shooting because I don't think you could ever have enough of it. But the other one would be just more of like a true center. Uh, but I really don't know how much that will be needed. Once AD takes over. Yeah, because realistically, the only like true center that we might struggle with is Jokic. And as we said earlier, there's nobody you're going to sign in the buyout market that's going to solve that. So, I mean, they, they would certainly keep their eye on that. But I would say another wing shooter type would be where I would preferably go. Um, Come home, Trevor. You might be big washed. I'd I like to find say, out. <laughs> uh, I, he is not the guy I would have my eye on because, I, as you said, I'm pretty sure he is very washed. I'm honestly, I haven't even looked that far ahead. I don't know who's going to be available in the buyout market, but uh, it'll be interesting to see who the Lakers target because I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they go after more of a true center just to solidify that. But they have so many options there already between AD, Trez, Gasol, Keefe, um, that it's really situational that you're going to need a true center, whereas you can always find time to get more shooters on the floor. Yeah. I mean, first off, Mahimi Erasure, nobody's going to stop Jokic at the Lakers sign in the buyout market. Uh, I think he's already a free agent, actually. Yeah. Mahimi. Deadman, Tyson Chandler, the X Factor of the Lakers 2018 19 <laughs> campaign. He had that one block on that Trey Young shot that might have been goaltending, but <laughs> it was still really cool. He also had that game that, like, he single handedly won them against the Timberwolves. That was really fun. But, um, you know, the Lakers have a championship now. We don't, we don't care. Shout out to James Jones for doing the solid at the time but the biggest of solids it wasn't enough um but yeah i think a wing defender would be nice i think especially if and again at this point of the season we're talking first day of february a lot of ifs but if they decide wesley matthews isn't it at that three spot and like like especially not at that two spot we're assuming 
Alex Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker soak up the one and two minutes behind Schroeder and KCP. I think that like quest for that defensive wing on the three, like a three and D wing becomes more interesting. If he looks a little better at that spot, I think, you know, between him and Kuz, him, Kuz and LeBron, I think they will be fine, but a lot of ifs. And, um, but I'm, I, again, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen between now and, and the end of February? To bring this all full circle, uh, I read an article today. Um, one of the people that most GMs believe will be bought out and they don't want to trade for is J.J. Redick. <laughs> well, I mean, it came out today that, um, I think it was Shams Trania of The Athletic that reported it, but I think they're looking at teams in that like general East Coast area, the Boston, Brooklyn, and and Philly, which you know is fine. That's all fine and dandy, but what better way to stick it to the Clippers who called JJ Reddick and said, We don't want you back than to win a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers. He uh he talked a lot on this podcast around the playoff time about how badly he wants to win a title. That being said, uh, his wife and family still live in Brooklyn, and the three teams that he, are link- he is linked to are probably the three best teams in the Eastern Conference. So yeah. he could win a title with them just as easily. So unfortunately, unless the Lakers give up something of value to the Pelicans, J.J. Redick is not coming to Los Angeles. What? Oh, what about J.J. with Milwaukee? That would be interesting. It'd be such a lifestyle downgrade from New Orleans to Milwaukee. <laughs> I I've never been, but I can only imagine. I've been to New Orleans. Um, I've heard enough about Milwaukee that I mean, I've been to New Orleans. I mean, it really there aren't many right. cities that are an upgrade over New Orleans. But uh, I mean, honestly, on any of the team, like every team's going to be chasing him. The only one I don't really understand how it would help is the Nets because offense is not the problem there. Um, you had an interesting stat you tweeted today, Jacob, that I'd like you to repeat uh, for the class. It was, I saw it on my timeline. StatMuse had it. Um, so since the Harden trade, the Nets have a 122.6 offensive rating, which if you're wondering if that's good, it is the best in the league, and it would be the best of all time. They have a defensive rating of 119.9. If you're wondering if that's bad, that is worst in the league and would be worst of all time. They literally have the best (laughs) offense of all time and the worst defense of all time since trading for Harden, which if you guys saw the end of the Wizards-Nets game um, or really just the score, like that, it checks out. So, uh, listen... I am not worried about the current iteration of the Nets because for <laughs> what we just said, like they ain't stopping anybody right now, but I guess let them try to figure some things out and um, see if they can sign anybody in the buyout market. I don't, are the Lakers and Nets playing in the first half of the 
um, schedule. I don't believe they are. That game's going to be a lot of fun whenever I, they do play. I think it's literally the last game of the first half of the season, which, like, it is, it I understand. Is February 18th. Oh, okay. February, what is that? Date sound. Oh, okay. They will announce starters for the All-Star game that night on TNT, and then the Lakers yeah. play the <laughs> late game, and I am that will be a ton of fun. I hope so. I, but, like, to me, I, I mean, I don't know anything. I am just a mere blogger with a podcast. But it doesn't sound like they would bode well against the team that is tied for the best net rating in the NBA. If <laughs> if your offense and defense are, are that far apart, who knows? Uh, but I'm excited to find out. That is just one of many things to look forward to in February. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it should be a fun one. It's going to be a fun month. It's going to be a lot going on, but um, it's a lot a lot easier to stomach all this and to, to go through with all this with the Lakers playing as well as they have this season. Um, this road trip be damned. That'll do it for this week's show. We will be back with you next week, and uh, the Lakers will have played – a game in Los Angeles by then, which is awesome. It's been a little while. Still can't go to games, which sucks. But if we keep doing our part and, you know, the states get their stuff together, <laughs> maybe one day we will all be back at Staples Center together. Until then, keep listening to our podcast. It's the equivalent of going to a Lakers game, I promise you. <laughs> and... uh And we'll, we'll see you all next week.